everybody, welcome to today's Life Coach Pod. We have an amazing guest who comes to us from the Netherlands right now. She is an American, but she is there working. We'll find out why, and or living, at least we'll find out why she does her work there too. And we're going to talk about reclaiming your soul. Um, our guest, hang on a second, guys, I'm going to change slides. Our guest is Lori Santos, and she has a unique experience, which she'll discuss with us, and then talk about ways we can take care of ourselves. And this time, unlike usual when I set up the slides, I'm going to ask Lori to dive in because she has some things to say about these slides, which I think you're going to find interesting. I'm going to kick it off first with an article from Forbes. This is from one of the Forbes influencers, but that doesn't matter because these are usually pretty smart people that come in. And they were talking about, she's, um, author Louise Chun is talking about the impact of stress on women and that women are kind of at the breaking point, which if you're hearing me say that right now, you might be feeling it. The, what we see in this study, and for anybody that, that's just listening and wants to Google, look up the study. Women are at a breaking point because of workplace stress, well-being survey from Cigna. So you can Google that and find the article. But what they release here in the, and have highlighted as the salient points of the article is that the top three stressors for working women are heavy workloads, personal health, and financial concerns. So if that sounds familiar to you, you're not alone. Also, basic needs such as sleep and food, and I don't know why I'm smiling except that I relate to this. Basic needs such as sleep and food are part of the difference between the genders. Okay, for all of you that have walked into the living room to find your male partner asleep in front of the television while you've been doing the dishes in the kitchen, you need to change that up. Like, just change that up right now. Everybody does the dishes, so we all get to sleep in front of the television. That's just how it should work. Anyway, interesting study. Go take a look at it and it'll validate you if you're feeling like you're at the end of your rope, especially right now when everybody is home and the kids are home and you're trying to do all the things. I, I need you to hug yourself, please, because it's a lot to do. All right, so this, this is from an infographic by Best Psychology Degrees. And for those of you that are not able to see this, infographic's interesting because it lists the causes of stress, but it, it's actually sorted them in a way I've never seen before. And I found it incredibly provocative and um, inducing a bit of thought on my part. And I know Lori has some things to say about this. The first cause of, of stress can be chemical, drugs or pollutants. Okay, we can't, kind of can't can do a lot about that. It's where we live. We have certain conditions in our life. The second one are emotional. So anger, fear, guilt, and loneliness. We talk about that all the time here, guys. That is that unproductive energy, and it can really tear you down. That's why we talk about ways to get to health through finding ways to tap productive energy. I think one of the things too, Jennifer, is especially on the emotional side, when we see words like anger, fear, and guilt, we also have a story about those emotions and that we're not supposed to have them. We're not, we're not allowed to have permission to be angry. But I think we, we, there's a misnomer here. There's a difference between violence and rage and anger because yes. anger is a big intuitive indicator. Something's not right. Something doesn't feel good. But then if we automatically have shame associated with anger, that's really where the stress comes in because then we suppress it. We tell ourselves, oh no, I'm not supposed to have anger, especially as a woman. So, oh no, 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 I have to be the nice lady. I just say everything politely, everything perfectly. And so we push it down. And then of course that is causing even more stress because we are going against the grain of what's really happening intuitively inside of us. So the more that we start to kind of partner 
with these emotions and the more that we, we realize they're intuitive indicators that something is going on, there's something deeper here, let's evaluate them a bit, let's process them a bit, then the stress can also start to dissipate. Because it's a really important piece. You know, I, I so appreciate that distinction because I've been a single mom, didn't get married for whatever reason, and I raised my daughter and we actually created this space for anger because it's, it's mm. limited and it's true. It's different from rage and all the other things. Yes. And so when we are, we can, we know now with each other, we can come out and say, I'm feeling really angry. And that means stop a minute, yeah. listen, see if there's anything you can do to support the person through the anger. But half the time, just getting it out yeah. And, yeah. and articulating your thought, like it helps you clarify your thoughts and be like, oh, oh, I get why I'm angry. Oh, I mean, I really <laughs> understand now. I'm feeling shame or I'm feeling devalued or I'm feeling unheard, which is a big one for me. Like yeah. they're not getting it. I'm yeah. not saying it right. Something's broken. So just that space for anger can really allow a woman in particular to find out what's really going on what is it what is it triggering in you that it's an anger response and what is really that deep deeper meaning there that you can reveal thank you so much for for making that distinction yeah, absolutely you know and it's really funny i actually just had a conversation with a woman from from social media from instagram in fact we've been communicating she's in canada and she's actually she's a mom but she's having challenges with her partner and I wrote a piece about anger. I actually, I'm a surfer. I'm from, I'm originally from California. And so I went surfing this weekend out here in the Netherlands and I had what I called an angry surf and I wrote about it and she sent me a message. Oh my God, thank you so much. That gave me so much permission to know that it's okay to have this anger. And my God, I would love for you to do a retreat just so that I can lose my, you know, and just and, and be around other women losing their stuff and just getting angry. And I was like, wow. I okay. First of all, I didn't know you. Could, everything you say, I want to first of all acknowledge that's like amazing. And I then first, a second, you can surf in the Netherlands. Like I did not know that. And, um, California, I have to admit, I think that was part of the anger. <laughs> I was just saying, often my anger has turned into housework. So I love that it turned into surfing. I should, you know. I've been trying to like turn my anger into walking or something productive for me. But a lot of times you really got to take that rage out on the damn floor or the vacuum or whatever that is. Oh yeah. It's That's just loud. Anger cleaning. I know, <laughs> anger cleaning. But Screw that. Anyway, I love anger surfing. Anger surfing, that's, I, I like that. That's awesome. And actually, I'm going to share that blog with a friend because that, I have a friend who surfs. She'll probably really appreciate that. Oh, talk about cathartic. <laughs> <laughs> right. So then we have another cause of stress is mental, right? Anxiety, the things that we all know, anxiety, long work hours, media overload people, Ooh. media overload and worry. So mm -hmm. that's my category right there because I do all those things. And yeah, I can get myself stressed out over something that, that I have to literally go, this is not your world. Or Jen, what can mm -hmm. you do in your world you can handle? But the bigger thing, not, I can't get rid of people that I want to get rid of. That's not an option. So yes. So there's mental. Mm -hmm. Then there's nutritional. So I didn't know that you can have stress from nutrition, but you can. You can have allergies yeah. and you can yeah. actually have vitamin and mineral deficiencies, which it's legit, guys. If you can't figure out why you're stressed and what's going on, could actually be biochemical like that. So yeah. take a look at your nutrition. Then there's physical. And this is the, the kind of physical that's not the kind you pay money to go to a gym for. This is exertion, overexertion, 
um, struggling with health difficulties, which I'm sorry, because I know a lot of you do. Uh, lack of sleep, which is probably one of the most self-defeating things that we do. Yeah. And yet it's sometimes hard to fight for the time to get to sleep because yeah. you have two jobs or you're doing a lot of work at home with family and stuff. So I, I have complete compassion for you if you are suffering from lack of sleep based on circumstances. And then travel. And anybody who's ever been on the travel, ugh, I've done that. Yeah, travel is exhausting. And if you're doing it for business, it could be grueling because they expect you to get up for that nine o'clock and you're at a different time. It's, I think it's really bad for Californians. Yeah, because we just always are being dragged into earlier, earlier times. Yeah, and I really relate with that travel because I've been doing it for many, many years, going to many different countries, giving workshops and so on. And that jet lag really does catch up. And then, of course, it turns into the lack of sleep. And it doesn't matter that you've arrived back home, but you're now still in that space of, oh, wait, I'm two time zones away. And that catch up absolutely can cause a lot of stress. How do you feel about, I really feel there's a lot of overlap. I, I often feel that when I'm looking at the mental, for example, with respect to anxiety and long work hours, et cetera, that the anxiety could be there or the long work hours can be there because of something else. It could go to, we're going to go to trauma soon here, but it could, it could really kind of result from, okay, as a child, this happened to me, or I was trained this way, therefore I have to really perform. And oh so I'm working long hour, long work hours, therefore I have anxiety because of it. So I always kind of think like if we drill it down, where does it really stem from? Or maybe it's just all these kind of things overlap with each other. What do you think? I think they do overlap. I mean, they absolutely don't operate exclusively. And you're right. You could have one of these could be the driver and the other is the things that tap into it and suffer as a result. And, and I think it's not even on here. Well, okay. So the next one is psycho-spiritual, which I think goes a little bit with that family stuff you talked about mm -hmm. because psycho-spiritual, they say your financial or career pressure, uh, relationships and spiritual alignment. And the thing is, is a lot of us grow up in families that don't allow space for humanity right it's about perform yeah. achieve yeah. and you feel this responsibility to your parents because of course that's that's part of how this whole thing works and i i have met so many women and and men frankly who have been trying to live up to their parents expectations and if you i know if you asked most of the parents they'd be like no honey we just wanted you to be happy yeah they would literally yeah. say that but they don't understand they've instilled in you this ethic these yeah. These voices in your head, these responsibilities that just layer on top of everything yeah. else. Everything yeah, else. Yeah, it's really about the emotional support. I think oftentimes parents have thought, okay, I need to prime you and get you prepped so you can be out in the world and you can take care of yourself and you can survive. But without really realizing that there's this whole big component of, I need to make sure I'm providing you with emotional support and understanding your personality and your individuality, your soul. Who are you at your core? Not me. Who are you, daughter, son, et cetera, at your core? And then maybe I can cultivate that, right? And I can nurture that and I can train you, teach you, coach you according to your soul, your personality type and, and your needs. And I think, unfortunately, that's where a lot of, a lot of our training growing up, with our parents oftentimes missed the boat. It's just not that necessarily that was intentional, of course, but no, it is what and do and, it, and at the same time they probably need the most is when they're pulling away from you so it's weird yes. and one whole guest talk about <coughs> excuse me one whole guest talk about how parents don't see their teenagers 
they think no. they know them, but they're teenagers are complete human beings that are different in the other in the world than yeah. what the parent and, and then as parents, you know, we always have those scripts where like, oh, you were the quiet one. Stop yeah. saying that stuff. Stop saying that stuff right now. Don't mm -hmm. ever come up with those labels for your kids. Okay, yeah, those labels. Yeah. Those labels. Yeah. And they, they tend to always come back at family parties. That's why we have dread, I'm sure, of holidays and stuff. It's like, oh God, prale out the old tropes about what I am. Thanks. I'm yeah. so much more. And and I've yeah. I've been so I'm gonna just share a quick antidote. With this pandemic, I decided to shelter in place in Sacramento because there was supposed to be a trial I was gonna attend. So I had, my daughter and I had a rough uh, last few years of her, of her seven, 16, 17, 18, rough, just rough. I then went to coaching school and she moved to Sacramento and I'm staying with her now. And what we have both realized is the pandemic has been a gift of reparenting. Hmm. And she said, mom, you're the, such a different person now, such hmm. a different person, which hurts hmm. and is awesome. You know, like it's both, it hurts and I'm, it's That's awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And we have reestablished a relationship. In fact, I think I want to say we actually created a new relationship now for the next mm. few years, right? Mm. We know I see her for her now, not my not my wishes for her. Yes. Yeah. Exactly who she is. And oh. so yeah, this is really important. We're talking about things of stress, but until guys, until you guys look into what's where these things are coming from and then dig again and then dig again and then dig again, you don't really figure out all the garbage you're living with that's weighing on your shoulders you might know the stuff that you, causes you pain right now but underneath there's a reason why it's so heavy there's a and reason layers, why. and layers and layers of it right and that, well and yeah. that brings us to the last category which is in my world and in your world which is trauma and yeah. tra childhood traumatic grief now guys i want to say this slowly because we're going to take this in childhood traumatic grief that is a broad category and it means you're entitled to it if it happened. You get to have that. So don't think you don't. You are not worthy of having trauma. You are um, injuries, post-traumatic stress disorder, which we talk a lot about now. Started with soldiers, but it's general. It's been broadened and generalized because many of us suffer from it. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, having surgery can be considered a trauma, especially mm, yeah. depending on your point of view about medical procedures and your own. Um, mortality that can really be traumatic and then yeah. of course terrorism which in this case we can broaden i'm going to broaden that because it's not just the convention of terrorism but it's at a time i'm in sacramento where we had as most folks know following me know that my dad and stepmom were killed by the golden state killer but what they yeah. really know is that man terrorized california for years dec a yeah. decade a good decade and it took 40 years for him to be caught. And so when I meet people in Sacramento, I meet victims of terror because they locked their doors. They got a dog. They got a gun. So, Laura, you you, you identify with trauma. Yeah. And it's really interesting, too, the story that you're telling because I, and I, I could imagine that going through the court system is also another form of trauma, experience a sense of re-trauma, re-traumatizing -re because my background, my, I have a master of yeah. science in justice. And I worked in law enforcement for 10 years and I, I worked at the federal level and I worked in courts and I worked with um, cyber sex crime. I worked mostly with sex offenders. So a lot of work with the victims as well. And I have, my heart would go out to those victims if they attended court because they oftentimes didn't, but I would have either private interviews with them and would try to encourage them, you know, as gently as I could to come. So that way they could have their voice be heard. And that re-traumatizing is 
is the tough stuff. It's the tough stuff to move through. So I really, um, my heart goes out to you for going through that, Jennifer, and, um, and your family as well, because just being on the law enforcement side of it, oh, yeah, I could really, I could really understand that it was already traumatizing to have gone through it, but then to the re-trauma, we also forget about, you know, and, and sometimes we push it away. And then of course, that's when the PTSD comes about. And even myself, I was diagnosed this year in January. I mean, it, it took me years actually to be diagnosed officially with PTSD, it, despite the fact that as a child, you know, I would jump when the door, just a door would slam or see something on television. But just like you had said at the beginning, you know, this was designated for war veterans primarily only. So I had no idea that it was even possible that I could possibly have PTSD myself or childhood trauma or any of these things. And I think what's happening now though, while, why we see it in the infographic is we have a lot more permission and a lot more people who are coming forward and are acknowledging that they've been abused and that it could be a different form of abuse. It could be mental abuse, verbal abuse, psychological abuse. It wasn't necessarily physical or sexual abuse in their homes when they were growing up. And there was so much cognitive dissonance. You know, they didn't realize that they were actually abused or had some form of trauma in the home because the house looked picture perfect. Oh yeah. House, picture perfect, right? This was the case in the house that I grew up in. And so I hadn't an idea that there, there could have been some extreme cognitive dissonance going on and that I was solely focusing on all the good times and really suppressing all of the heavy stuff. And that's where for me, all of this sort of reclaiming the soul came about really waking up to who am I and what is my soul and not the script that was given to me by my family and by another stress I think that should be added on the um, infographic is cultural stress. We've got all kinds of cultural mores and traditions and generational ideas maybe even generational stress is another phrase to use that's imposed upon us. You have to behave this way because you're from this culture or you have to behave this way because my generation said you have to behave this way. Oh my God. Okay. That's so important because we even have found now in DNA, they're finding yes. that we pass that along. Yes. <laughs> Too many cats. Personality down. Yeah. So, so yes. there's some stress you have inherited that Yes. It's not even your fault. It came yes. from the family. It came, it's your legacy. It's something yes. to embrace as part of your family's legacy. And we yes. too often don't tell those stories. So then we yes. don't know where we need to focus, except mom has always been particular. Oh, this is me with having a, a, a caught murderer. My, my mom, my daughter was this. My mom was psychotic about self-defense and always having bells on the doors and a bat by her bed. Like, oh my God, we grew up in the same house. <laughs> Probation but, I know, that's just it. I'm like, okay, honey, yep, because I knew there was a bad guy out there. I didn't want to make you paranoid, but boy, did I have, I did, I did, without even knowing it, I did, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so tell, okay, so I, I just, this topic is so good, and I love sharing the slides, so I want to hear more, but how did you get started in what you're doing? You, you are a coach, but you do, you really look at the soul, you really look at that idea yeah. of what we've lost or what we've shoved down or whatever. Tell, tell me, tell everybody about yourself. Yeah, thank you. Sure. Well, you know, I think it was always there since I was a child. I was raised in a Catholic home. My mom became a Catholic school teacher. I went to Catholic school and I was as a kid private and I liked to spend time alone. I loved to even pray and I loved to, I, I would beg my mom, take me to church, take me to church. But I think it wasn't so much about church actually, if I look back. 
I was young, I was two, three, four, wanting to go to church all the time. But I think it was that, that feeling of being connected yeah. is really what it was. And the silence, because my house felt frenzied and it felt chaotic. And I was always trying to find space to be with myself and to hear my own voice rather than everything else being dictated to me. So when I went to church, I felt, if you want to call it holiness or you want to call it connected, that's what I felt. And I loved the silent moments, those, especially in a Catholic church, you have those, these times where you really get to have that silence. Then as I grew up into my teenage years, I, be, I loved um, existentialism and I fell in love with philosophy and studying everything I could get my hands on, especially from French philosophers. And then ultimately, I was denied the opportunity to be confirmed. And yeah. Stop and, it. Oh, yeah. oh my God. There's I didn't even know they could do that. I know. It's, it's so funny, right? It, it's hard to get Catholics these days, like people who really want to stay Catholic. <laughs> now I'm just hanging open because I'm just like, wait, what? What a rejection from it somebody. Was, yeah. You nailed it. And rejection. It, it it, it heart, it, it, I mean, talk about heartbreak. And it was, you know, looking back, I see the accountability from my side. I see the responsibility from my side. So what had happened was it was a bit disorganized at my church. I fell into the confirmation classes. I don't know how I fell into them, but I was in them. And we were sort of loosely told what our responsibilities were in order to be confirmed. It was never given to me on a piece of paper or anything. And I pretty much fulfilled all of the obligations except for one. And that was finishing the confirmation classes. And the reason was because I had been asked to be the cantor, to be the singer at the 7 p.m. Catholic Mass on Sundays, which was the exact same time as the Catholic uh, confirmation classes. So you actually so were doing extra. <laughs> I, I suppose, yeah, there was a conflict, but I was on the same grounds in the Catholic Church, and I was at the Catholic Mass every Sunday, obviously. But when I went to show up for confirmation, um, like, I guess to get the information the night before of what time we were supposed to show up and so on, I was told by the youth minister, you will not be confirmed tomorrow. And I, I was shocked. I mean, the face that you made, you know, where your, your mouth was on the floor was exactly the same face that I had. And I tried to ask and, and understand. And I really wasn't met back with a, a good reason why. And I'm I left. I for you. Like, I can't, I can imagine yeah. the devastation. Like, your yeah. floor falls out from under you. And they wait till then. They don't call you. They don't right. talk to you. They don't treat you like a human being who's capable Sorry, get, yeah. get out of my soapbox. Yeah. I'm going to stop. And I, yeah, and I appreciate you feeling that way because that's exactly how I felt. I, I mean, I, generally speaking, you know, most of the other teenagers at that point, I'm doing this because my mom and dad want me to be here. But I actually genuinely really did want to be there. And so for me, it was like, I really did feel like my whole foundation just completely cracked, like a massive earthquake, and I fell in between. <laughs> yeah. But what, of course, was very interesting as a typical teenager all of a sudden, it was God's fault. I hated God, and I didn't believe in God anymore. Oh, yeah, so, of course. Yeah. Of course. Of I mean, which is, I, yeah. I couldn't equate religion and God. Of course, it's the same thing, and the soul is the same thing, you know, at that age. But ultimately, what happened was then I went sort of down this kind of atheistic, and I'd go back and forth between being an atheist and being agnostic for probably almost 10 years. And I became an officer along the way, as I was saying earlier, and I started working in Oakland, actually, in the Bay Area. I was an Alameda County probation officer first. And then I went to the federal level when I had finished my master's in justice. And I, 
always had this heart of wanting to serve, you know, that was very important for me. So even though I went through this period of not believing in God, I still wanted to be an active part of society and contribute and give back as much as I possibly could. Not that atheists don't, of course, but um, no, just, I, just no, I I, like, I mean, yeah, it was a yeah, yeah. And then I found I don't want to do this work anymore. You know, I did I did officer work for about 10 years and it wasn't that the offenders that I worked with were toxic. It was actually the environment that I worked in, a lot of the mindset of the, you know, the chief on down and I felt unsafe. And one day I opened up a magazine and it kind of opened up itself and it said, what is life coaching? I remember saying out loud, yeah, what is life coaching? And it was this beautiful- I'm still article. saying it, by the way, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I'm like, oh, okay. Huh? What is that? And and it was a beautiful article written about exactly what life coaching is and what it does. And then it gave at the back of the article all of these different schools that were accredited by the International Coaching Federation. So I signed up for two and I, I graduated from both of those programs. And it was the first time I heard the phrase, the universe, you know, using that phrase of what is the universe. And I have goosebumps right now as I say it, because that really resonated with me. It was like, I never thought of it in that way. And oh my goodness, how powerful. And that led me back to my soul because as I was going through these really experiential somatic courses with uh, my coaching programs, I was still an officer and applying what I was teaching. I didn't know I could think a different way. I didn't know I could feel a different way. I just thought this is how I always think and feel and pretty much defaulted to thoughts that were probably other people's thoughts and feelings that were probably other people's feelings. And I noticed I did keep turning down the volume on my soul. I knew I had a big dream inside, but I kept turning it down because of the scripts that I was listening to of my mom and my dad and, you know, society and the fear of, oh, you can't go live on your own and, you know, in, in another country, which was my big dream. I wanted to travel overseas. I wanted to be an expat. And through the coaching world and this understanding that I could use the word the universe, the universe has my back and the universe supports me, everything shifted. And so about three years after I finished my, my program, I, I did. I resigned as an officer and I moved overseas. I moved to Spain and then I moved to Portugal and then to Angola, Luanda, uh, Luanda, Angola. And then I went to um, Kuwait and I stayed in Kuwait for about eight years. And then in the meantime, traveled to all kinds of other places, just reclaiming my soul, traveling alone and journaling a ton and practicing the tools that I had gained in coaching school and of course using with my coaching clients. And I, I think when people do this, when they stop listening, I mean, listen and stop listening. So stop listening to all of the influence, but then listen within. Oh my gosh, you have the best compass on the planet. Your soul is the best compass on the planet. So many things. Okay, that story was just so compelling. And the thing is, I think, first of all, to me, the people who believe in God, who question God, well, I'm Jewish. So that's like kind of foundational. You, you, yeah. Yeah. Yes. It just if you don't argue with God and if you don't question God and if you don't really work it, why do you believe? You need to really yes. push yourself and tap that. And then the idea of the universe, which I say all the time, because to me it's the same thing. Like it's just the yes. same thing, right? It's this idea of being open to possibilities. Don't be fatalistic. In fact, be opportunistic. It, you really can't. And then set your intentions. So you are very clear about what you want. And that's exactly what you did. You said, this yeah. isn't working. I've learned now more about trusting the universe, which is 
basically what we say is we trust the universe to take care of us. But in that, we also own our responsibility to manifest our intentions, which is what you did, which is amazing. Because I think that's the part where, especially when you're freaking out, you're exhausted, you're overwhelmed. And, And I know this is the work, specifically the work you do, but this idea of and particularly with women, I'm going to come back to women, guys, sorry, but I'm going to come back to women because you need to take care of your partners. You need to watch your spouses. You need to see what's going on with your mom. We tend to carry a lot of this in ways you wouldn't see unless you listen. It's just how we're wired. I don't know what else to say about it, but we are wired to do this. And so, Laura, you work specifically, I love this idea of reclaiming your soul, because in a weird way, they, they almost stripped your soul from you yeah. with that little yeah. tiny words that I'm sure, I, I never understood why adults are not committed to kids' success. They always want to find ways to catch kids doing something wrong. And I'm like, why don't you think about how to help them be successful? That's the key, people. Focus on how to help somebody else be successful, which is now what you're doing. And I'm, I'm so angry that that person couldn't have thought a way to make it work for you. Instead, they just said, yeah. And I'm like, nah, that's wow. What a dummy. Like, I just can't believe what a dumb adult. So yeah, what do you, you do? How does it work? Yeah. Tell me. Yeah. Well, so I was going to say about that. It's like, with respect to that adult, you know, if we go back to the infographic, more than likely, she probably also had her own stress going on or her own generational stuff or her own, maybe even church stress. Oh, <laughs> Is yeah. That stress, right? No, religion stress. And, and so who knows? And then I, I was angry for a long time. I fully own that. I was very angry and I was angry at her. And of course, you know, I and it was a her. nun, right? It was a nun. She wasn't funny enough. Oh my and gosh. Okay. No. She was, she was not a nun funny enough. Holy crap, man. Oh, I know the nuns had to be hard asses, but damn. Maybe okay. she was a rejected nun. I don't know. Oh, the poor thing. I want to hug her now. Okay. Now I'm not angry at her. Now I just go back. <laughs> yeah. But I was. I, I fully admit it. I was. And you know what, though? At the same time, I look back and I go, well, that's probably one of the biggest parts of the story. And so you know she needed to be there and even though it was a rough road and there was a lot of um going up and down going up and down along those 10 years i i I forgot about that story until recently jennifer i was i was writing a blog post and i was like oh my god this story oh my god this story this is such a pivotal part of my journey and yeah and it really did shape like the next 10 years um so but i thank it you know i'm really glad that it happened because um, I, I ended up having a really, a, like a life lived, you know, a, an interesting life that maybe, maybe it wouldn't have been so interesting. Maybe I wouldn't have seen as much of the world as I have and, you know, broken bread with so many fascinating cultures. And so, yeah, I, I feel pretty, pretty blessed. I feel pretty grateful about that. In fact, my, my husband and I, we went to Israel and Palestine for our honeymoon. Um, yeah. But you I'm even so- found us a, a partner who's like into the, into your lust for culture and And learning of other people i love that talk about that manifestation huh oh we need another we need another interview because (laughs) how i met him the story we met on a plane and we and he was living in kuwait yeah but we met on a plane from amsterdam to kuwait and uh, and i had actually i prayed i literally prayed i would like to meet my future husband on a plane and uh three or four years later i did but there's by the way proves that you know you can go to church, but God is everywhere. So there you go. You can, yeah. That's right. Church is church. Yeah, or, you, or you don't even have to go to church and God's that's still right. everywhere. God yeah. is everywhere. So you don't have to worry yeah. about it. No, it's okay. 
It's Lori so survived, everybody. She did it. Yeah. <laughs> it's working for her. It still has angry surf. <laughs> so, okay, so tell me about working with your clients yeah. and how you've translated this into a practice and, and what people can learn from that. Like how, yeah. 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 One of the, my favorite things, and I don't know if you learned this when you were going for, through your coaching school, but we did a lot of work. Well, maybe we had one module on fulfillment, which was um, using future self and going through a guided visualization where you meet your future self. And this particular work impacted me. And I, I really believe it's the reason I was able to leave my career that I didn't want to do anymore, start my business full time, and then travel the world. So um, back when I had it done on me, my master coaches fast forwarded us 20 years into the future to see our, our future selves. And you show up at the house of your future self where your future self is living. You go inside, you see, you know, the, what your future self's life is like. You have a conversation with your future self and you ask these really pivotal questions like, hey, future self, you know, what would be best for me to start doing in order for me to get to where you are? And what would be best for me to stop believing in order for me to get to where you are. And then your future self presents you with a gift and that gift is a symbol of the meaning. And then the coach ideally guides you to either make that gift if, you, you know, if you're really able to see it or to buy something that symbolizes that gift. And if it's a piece of jewelry, for example, wear it every day and that reminds you, you know, your future self is with you. Of course you are your future self, right? And then all of these other amazing tools to start to merge that future self into you or for you to bring those aspects of your future self out. For some reason, we learned so many tools in my, my coaching school, but this is the one that it was tr radically transformational. And so I have continued to do these guided visualizations with the, primarily I work with women, but I've worked with men, of course, as well. But women tend to, to gravitate toward this work, especially high-performing women, women who are really stressed, women who thought, I need to climb the ladder to be seen. And all of a sudden they realize, well, I did that, but who am I? But that's, they, uh, yeah, I totally yeah. relate to that. Yep. Um, that was me like, as well, being the officer and working in a federal court every day. It's like, yeah, I don't want any of this, actually. <laughs> this doesn't feel like me. So when I saw my future self in that guided visualization, oh my gosh, she was so relaxed and she was so fulfilled and it was so reassuring. And I started really doing that with my clients one-on-one. -on -one. Okay, let's, let's do as many future self-guided visualizations as we can, and I customize it. So when a woman tells me, this is what I'm really looking forward to experiencing in my life or what I really dream about or where I feel really at ease, I use her words and I incorporate that into the guided visualization. And then when we come out of the guided visualization, we'll, we'll talk about ways to, to make it real, talk about ways to, um, for her to practice it in daily life, what she saw, and future, future self work is fantastic because future self is just your highest self in the most positive future. And, you know, most one, one day from now, it could be, it could be five yeah. minutes from now. It could be, you know, five years from now. And you basically catching up to that, that, that space, that energy, that essence of you. And what I love about it is every time I ask a woman when she comes out, you know, how do you feel? She says, I felt, I felt so fulfilled and I feel so comforted. I feel reassured that, oh, it's possible. And there's also yeah. usually this feeling of like simplicity, ease, gentleness, and, and grace, you know, a lot of flow there. So that's why that, that aspect of coaching is really what I, I, I decided I really like to focus on is, is future self. Yeah. So for everybody now freaking out because my American viewers who are used to being performance oriented mm. and driven who just said, I can't do that. I don't even know what the future is going to be. I don't even know what I'm going to do. And this is just making me have freak out. And it's like, guys, it does. 
So for all of us who've been to the woo-woo coaching schools and done this stuff, it's freaking hard at first. I mean, you need to know it's not like you can... Lori's speaking with ease because her whole career has been on this. I mean, yeah. she made the change. She shifted to do this, so she speaks with ease. But what she's telling you is this is what she does is help you tap it. And you can, you can do this yourself. You can do it with the coach. But it's, yeah. but don't, it's not going to happen overnight. You're going to – one of the best things I think about any of these exercises is you do one and it's awful and you feel like an idiot. And I, I – well, I'm speaking for myself. But I, I swear in coaching school, they have you do this kind of stuff. And sometimes you go – I feel stupid right now. I feel too self-conscious. I don't want to do this. I hate when you feel too self-conscious. But the thing is, is that you start to tip your brain. And yeah. That tipping point, like it starts to think differently. Then you're in the car and you go, well, wait a minute. Now that I'm like in the car and I can think what I really am thinking, you don't feel like performance pressure or anything else like that. So you think about this stuff in the car, re-listen to this podcast in the car, think about what it might mean, because that's really, it's not... Lori's giving you the ease of how beautiful it looks when you're good at it, but it, it does, it's just, you have to take that first step. It's just like everything else. You're not going to have the muscle until you build it. And that's I think the beauty of what you're talking about. Like yeah. you've got to build that muscle. Yeah. And I love that you said that because I can even share from my side, when I first had the visualization done in my school with my fellow classmates, for me, I really loved it because I've, I felt, wow, my creativity just fully got sparked. And um, I, I got to see myself expressing in such a, a beautiful, gentle way. However, in a really alive way, you know, really fired up way, my future self was super happy. And she felt like, you know, I felt like, wow, she knows the whole community and she's living in a really beautiful environment and, and life looks nice. And I really wanted more of that. I just said, was, I was like, well, if I could see that here, actually it just came to me. I didn't, I didn't make that all up in work. Yeah. It was here. Yeah. And so then I was like, well, wait a minute, if I can think that up or it can just come to me, then of course I can have that happen in life. But I did know that it had to take work. I would leave voice notes to myself as my future self. I'd write letters to myself and mail them as my future self. I would journal as my future self. I just kept trying to bring her to life. And then I would ask myself in tough situations at work when I was still a federal probation officer, you know, like what would future self say right now? How would future self respond? A judge would ask me, you know, Ms. Santos, Officer Santos, what do you think about this? And what's your recommendation? And I would say, you know, what would future self say right now? And even, especially when I've got a U.S. attorney on one side, and a federal public defender and they're both like you need to agree with our plea agreement you need to agree with our plea agreement don't bust our plea agreement and I'd be like what a future what would future self say like no actually your honor I don't agree with this plea agreement and probation feels x y and z you know and both of them glaring at me oh my god that's oh, yeah that's okay so you oh my god it's so okay in the context of black lives matter right that's going on and it has to do with honesty and it has to do with saying your truth and what you you finally got to a place where you could say your truth, which if we could all stop playing the roles we're supposed to play and yes. say our truth, which is what reclaiming your soul is all about, is to stop being the servant of all the masters. It's serving your own soul and knowing what's right. Yes. Sorry, but it just- I love that you said that about, I don't know, I'm breathing the sigh of yes, relief and in total agreement with you because I love that you said the roles. I always say- lead from soul, not from role. I even say lead from soul, not from goal. And I know that the high performers are like, oh my God, I hate this lady. What is she saying? But what I mean about that is when we have this high, high focus on goal, it's kind of like another hit. Oh, I made that goal. Okay. Oh, but 
it's not such a lasting effect. Wow. Okay. Got to go create another goal. This was me, huh? the goal master, like, Oh my God, let me go and get all of these goals. And then yeah, the hit wears off. It's not even, it doesn't last that long, especially when you know, like you can achieve the goals pretty easily because you've just kept doing it and kept doing it, and kept doing it. But when you're leading and living and loving from soul, it's incredible because you, there's no resistance and there's no force and you just inherently know what to do and it feels right. Even if it's like people are going, mm, I don't think you should do that. Yeah, but you do it anyway because you know your soul is, is your compass and it's really, you're being led by inspiration. So how could you go wrong? How can you go wrong? And then life actually does get, get more interesting. It gets um, more fun, more fulfilling, more joyful. So all of the things that people like high performers chronically complain about not being happy enough, for example, well, that starts to show up. <laughs> it's true. And I, I'm thinking it's interesting. It's been such a journey for me since this um, man was arrested, which we didn't expect it to happen two years ago. But the thing I became when he was arrested is I realized I have to be authentic in everything I do. Yeah. Authenticity. And so what that's meant is friendships have fallen away in some cases. Um, I focus on a certain kind of people now. I, I love, I love coaches because they're authentic. Like that's their thing. Like I'm attracted now to people who will speak their truth. I still, there's still sometimes and part of it's because it's a court case, but there's sometimes I still have to keep my mouth shut. But in general, I say what's true and it, yeah. it changes everything we have. Yeah. It just changes everything. And I think that's the, you know, I love that Black Lives Matter is happening. I think it's all about starting to say our truth and it's about Black people who haven't been able to say their truth because we're freaking not even listening and, and we've built an infrastructure to not support it. So hello, there's a lot we're going to have to self-examine, but it starts with that idea of know your soul, know what yeah. matters to you and get back in touch with that good person that you are, that you've always been. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, I love that you say that about authenticity because that really is what it is. It's like, um, Shana Nika, she says, you know, what kills a soul? Image management, right? All of this yes. overperforming and that, and obviously exhaustion because of the image management and not living who you truly know that you are inside. And the challenge with that is if you go so long of playing this role and having all of this image upkeep and image management going on, then you actually do start to lose who you really, really are. And then the work becomes double and triple, That's, right? Yeah. Now you're yeah. in therapy. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because we just had, I just had a stylist on yesterday and while she's talking about image, her, her thesis was it has to be con congruous with who you are. Yes. It oh, it has yes. to reflect you or you're not doing it right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. This is one of my favorite words, congruency. Uh, uh, yeah. And I don't think we know. Many people are out of congruency. That's it. Know? That's like the stress, right? That's the stuff where I have a stomach ache or I don't, I can't, my throat hurts. So I'm like, cause you're not saying your truth. You're living yeah. somehow. You're not speaking. Like think about what hurts because it's related to what's going on, baby. Yeah, absolutely. You're back aching. You're carrying a big load. If your stomach yeah. aching, something is so wrong. Yeah. I mean, there's just, what, what ideas are you not digesting or yeah. what, Thoughts are of yourself are you not digesting? Sometimes with the th with the stomach thing, I'm like, you really you literally need to expel something. Something is toxic inside of you. You got to get out. So it's all about this awareness. And and the thing is, I'm, I'm so I could talk to you all day. I'm gonna go ahead and 
share the screen because it's time to wrap up, but I swear I could talk to you all day long. This, this is, is amazing. Thank you. So great. So, okay. So you have, you, you, it doesn't matter where you are because people can work with you wherever you are. Yeah, so that's right. That's important. And I'm going to, for the people just listening, um, Lori, Lori Santos can be found at life coach, Lori, L A U R I E.com. So it's the Lori, the long kind of Lori, life coach Lori. <laughs> And you can look at her website and, and hear more about her story. But Lori, what else? I mean, how, how do you want people to contact you if they're interested? Yeah, I, I really love Instagram. So you're more than welcome to find me at the same spelling, Life Coach Lori, L-A-U-R-I-E at Instagram. And I have every month a free calendar of offerings. So I have a lot of free stuff that you can come to at Instagram. Classes every and things, right? I yeah, every I month I do a soul session on Thursday at Instagram. And the calendar is in the highlight reel. But also okay. if you go to lifecoachlaurie.com and sign up at the newsletter with the Soul Supplements newsletter there, then oh, um, the idea. calendar is in there as well of all of the, the free calendar of offerings with workshops and summits. And um, I have a tips on Tuesdays at my Facebook page at Life Coach Lori, which is another free weekly live as well with all kinds of ways to reclaim your soul. Okay, you guys, you have no excuse to not <laughs> take the time and you're going to have to make it. I'm sorry, but it will change your life is up to you to take time to take care of yourself. Man or woman, I don't care who you are right now, I need you to take it, tune in, take the time to take care of yourself. And Lori, this has been so amazing. I wanna thank you, I wanna thank everybody for watching today and listening, and I wanna thank you for coming. This has been, I, this happens every time I'm like, no, let's just go have, let's go have a glass of wine now. Yeah. I, I just so enjoyed this conversation and it gets me so fired up. So, I enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me. It's amazing. I really, oh, I could have talked to you all day too, or all night here. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Also, yes. Thank you. Cause it's the middle of the night. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And thank you for coming to today's life coach pod.